0: Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Thursday, January 12, 2023. This is edition number four of season eight as we are now working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we come to paragraphs 4 and 5 of chapter 1 as we continue looking at matters related to the Holy Scriptures. But let's pray first and then we'll consider these two paragraphs this morning. Our Father in heaven, as we come now to your word and we come to these matters that pertain to it, we pray that you would teach us again and instruct us that we would uh, know and understand more uh, uh, about these things, the, especially as it pertains to the scriptures, the, the, that which lights our path. We pray for your grace and help and strength. Even now we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to chapter 1, paragraphs 4 and 5 uh, this morning. We have considered already the issues of general revelation. That is how God has revealed himself in nature and creation. We've considered the, the necessity of Scripture and its sufficiency as well. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the, the, the canonical books and the matters related to inspiration, as well as those apocryphal books or deuterocanonical books the, uh, that are to be treated like any other human writing. But today we come to chapter or paragraphs 4 and 5, so I'll read them and then make some comments on each one of these uh, points Uh, as we go. So, paragraph four reads, The authority of the Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received, because it is the word of God. Now, a couple things to note first is that we um, have as one of the proof texts here um, a reference to Paul's or uh, Peter's first epistle, or I'm sorry, his second epistle, a second letter, chapter uh, one and verses nineteen and twenty. There we read, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you would do well to pay attention, as a lamp shining in a dark place until the da- day dawns in the morning star arises in, rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now it is important to note that this paragraph is, is teaching us uh, one necessary and vitally important truth. That is this, that the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ does not give authority to the Bible. And in fact, um, it is God himself who spoke or who does speak uh, in the scriptures that grants it its authority. And of course, we know just as we logically think through this, that we read of the Church In the Scriptures, how then, therefore, could the church be the one to give the authority to the Scriptures? No, in fact, it's the other way around, isn't it? It's the Word of God that gives authority. And it is authoritative because it is the mind of God speaking. And so, while the church may recognize the Bible to be the Word of God, the church may acknowledge the Bible to be the Word of God, it may, re- it may do many things, it may uphold it, it may uh, place it in the center of its worship, it may do much there, at the end of the day, the authority of the Scriptures depends not on any man, but on God and God alone. And it's, of course, authoritative by necessity. If God himself has written it, if God himself speaks through it, then therefore it must be authoritative because he is, of course, the alone sovereign of heaven and earth. He is the God of the universe. He is the one who has made all things, owns all things. And so when he speaks, he always speaks truth. And it is to be believed then, therefore, because it is God who speaks. And so this paragraph tells us very candidly that the authority of the Bible depends not on man, but on God alone. Paragraph 5. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to an high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God. The full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other... Incomparable excellencies and the entire perfection thereof are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. Yet, notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. How is it that I can be so confident, so plain in my statements that that the Bible is given to us, the 66 canonical books of Scripture, are in fact the Word of God. Did I come to that understanding based on the matters that are given in the early sections of chapter of paragraph 5? They're, they're, they're good things, uh, all of them that are stated here, uh, the testimony of the church, the high and reverent esteem of the Scriptures as they give testimony to them, the heaven. Heavenless, heaven liness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, that is to say the effects it has and the way it works, the majesty of the style, just the way it's written. The consent of all the parts and how it agrees with one another throughout the course of 66 books over written over 1500 years by 40 plus authors and they all agree, certainly these things are very powerful evidences by which it's It could be argued that no one else but God could have written these things. But due to the sinfulness of man and our hard hearts and the dullness of our own minds, the only way we ever will come to a full persuasion of these matters is if the Holy Spirit himself convinces us of this truth. That the Word of God given is in fact the Word of God, it is the mind of God, it is the will of God, and the only way I will ever know that or ever believe that is if it is when the Holy God the Holy Spirit convinces me of these things so it 's not through any ingenuity, intellect, uh, more learning, more studies in school. Uh, sound Bible teachers and pastors, all of those things may be helpful means by which it leads one to believe the Word of God is the Word of God, but the only way we're really going to believe it is if the Holy Spirit convinces us of this truth. And for all of those who love the Scriptures and believe it to be the Word of God, that is why you believe it's the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit has so convinced you of that truth. It strips us, doesn't it, of the arrogance that often accompanies our own sinful ways. Uh, it, it strips us of all the hubris that tends to happen in these kinds of discussions. And it leads us, really, to stand in awe of the fact that the Holy Spirit, who penned the Scripture, would be pleased to convince me of the mind and will of God as contained in the written Word. And all we can do is stand in thankful acknowledgement to this truth, and we could do uh, nothing else. We know in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 that all scripture is inspired by God. It is given by God. It's profitable for the things. And we've talked about what those things are, that the man of God may be, be competent, equipped for every good work. And those things are all great and they're true. But why do we believe them to be true? Because we're smarter than the guy next door. We're more intelligent than somebody else, that we've had more studies and classes. We've Went to Sunday school all of our lives? No. The reason we believe it to be true is because the Holy Spirit, who penned these things, has convinced us of it. Now, as those who have received the benefit of the Spirit, have received that grace, we should do something with it. We shouldn't just sit idly by and say, Well, that's great. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. So what? Well, so what is that as we are convinced of this truth, then therefore... We should live it. We should meditate upon it day and night. We should read the Word of God. We should spend time in it. We should recognize that when we're reading the Scriptures, we're reading the very Word and mind of the living and true God who made all things, orders all things, upholds all things. And so it should cause us more motivation, more desire, because we've been so convinced by the Spirit that what we are reading is useful to us. It's not a waste of time. It is not something that is just like reading any other book that may be helpful. Other books are helpful. But this book is unlike any other book because it was penned by the very God who made all things, who penned these things for our good and our benefit, that we might grow in our understanding of the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and we, we might be guided in our steps and our path as we journey in this Christian life. But all of that is true because the Holy Spirit has convinced us that what we are reading is really the very word of the living God given to his church. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Friday edition, when we continue looking at chapter 1 of um, of the Westminster Confession of Faith. May the Lord help you today. May you spend time in His Word. May you give praise to Him for giving it to you and convincing you of it. And may you then seek to do that which you read and hear. God bless.